Amen. Well, good morning, Northland. It's good to see you, good to be with you. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn it open, turn it on to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 26 through 38. We're in our series. Anybody remember the title of our series? Simple Christmas. Now, last week we launched the series off and we looked at the main point. We need to slow down the season so we don't mess up its... Reason, And we looked at some truths of why we should slow down this season and have a simple Christmas. Now, today we're going to look at how to have a simple Christmas in the midst of life being complicated. Let me ask you this. How many of you think life is complicated? Raise your hand. Yeah, but it definitely is complicated. Let me ask you this question. Do you think the holiday or Christmas season makes life less complicated or more complicated? More complicated, I, I would agree. So just so that we're all on the same page, let me define what complicated is. I am meaning, when I use the word complicated, meaning difficult, overwhelming, confusing, hard to understand, or complex. So when I use the word complicated, that is what I am referring to. Now, I, as I was researching how life is complicated, it did remind me of Avril Lavigne's song, Complicated, where she belts out this following line. Why do you have to go and make things so what? complicated. And so she's singing out of frustration because of a relationship that undoubtedly has become complicated. I also ran across Jimmy Buffett's song, the theologian Jimmy Buffett, saying this song, Simply Complicated, and I'll put the words on the screen. When you find out things about yourself that you hadn't ought to know, when your grandma calls and books you on the Jerry Springer show. I don't know if you, Gen Z, remember the Jerry Springer show, but I sure do. I, not that I watched it. We were, not able, we were not allowed to watch Jerry Springer. I just remember it. And you find out you and your wife of 10 years just might be related, once again, from Alabama. <laughs> Brother, life's not over. It's just simply complicated. Life is complicated with its ifs and ands and buts. It's all right to be crazy, just don't let it drive you nuts. So I agree with theologian Jimmy Buffett, life is simply complicated. I'll give you some examples from my own life. First and foremost, math. It's complicated. I don't understand math. Our youngest, Luke, he's in fifth grade. I'm not smarter than a fifth grader when it comes to math. So he bypasses his dad, and he goes straight to his mom. Like, I just don't understand math. Also, following directions from, like, Ikea. I, I don't like, I mean, I don't mind Ikea furniture. I just don't like the directions that they provide in their furniture. So I'll take Ikea furniture home. I will open it up, and I will, maybe, maybe I'll let you know that, that in the past, we might, Joni and I, we might had a fight or two over following the directions from just the Ikea instructions. It's just complicated. I'm like, uh, undoubtedly, you don't know how to put this together because you are giving some very complicated instructions. Isn't that right? I guess maybe it's just me. So it is complicated. And then, uh, women, I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but you are complicated. I'll give you a for instance. Joni and I, we've been married a little over 19 years. And I, I'm telling you, for 19 years, we've had this following discussion. Where do you want to eat, babe? I don't care. Okay? She's like, you just pick. Okay. Uh, let's go here. No, I don't want to go there. Well, hang on. 
You, you said, you just said you don't care. <laughs> so, so I pick a place, but you don't want to go there. And then even this past week, this, this was a funny one. So you know the ice wars that we have at the Laxton house. We don't have a lot of ice in our ice maker. And so one morning I was getting, I, I, was, I was wanting to get my orange juice. I always have a glass of orange juice in the morning. And so I had to remove Joni's big turvis in the refrigerator and I put it on the counter. And I got my orange juice, fixed it, and I'm going to put her cup back in the refrigerator. And she tells me, babe, you don't have to do it. I'm going to be taking it to work with me. I'm like, okay, perfect. Well, so the next day, same thing happens. I go to remove her cup from the refrigerator, put it on the counter, get my orange juice. And I just leave her cup on the counter. And she says, why'd you leave my cup on the counter? I'm like, well, you told me yesterday. Well, but... I didn't get a lot of ice last night, and so it needs to be cold when I get it. I'm like, see, that's why I hope for Christmas I open up an ice maker so that we can take care of this problem that we're having. So it's just sometimes it's just a little frustrating, a little complicated. And then juggling. I can juggle three objects, but I cannot juggle more than three objects. It just becomes too complicated. You say, show us. I, I don't want to, I'm not a monkey, so I just don't do it on command. I, I can do it in my office when you're up there visiting me, but I, don't want, I didn't want to do it this morning for you. But let me shift and get a little serious this morning. I think the truth is we actually do juggle a lot in our life. We juggle things like our, our marriage, other relationships, finances, or we, we juggle vocations and careers, or we juggle parenting responsibilities and issues, or we juggle scheduling, maybe even health issues. And so maybe you've had some health issues and you haven't gone to the doctor yet, but you've been, you've, you've been typing in your symptoms on WebMD and so you're freaked out right now. And then maybe some image issues, feelings and emotions this time of year. And then maybe the future, you're just uncertain. And then just the entirety of the holiday season and all the complexities it brings. And so in juggling all these things and more, it does lead to a life feeling overwhelmed, difficult, exhausted, complicated. And in life's complications, it leads to just mere surviving. That's why many people, they just, they just want to survive the holiday season, just want to survive Christmas season, get to January 1st, maybe frustrated, disappointed, defines you in life's complications, maybe worry or anxiety, shallowness and isolation. So when things become very complicated, you just withdraw and you isolate yourself. Maybe you have feelings of depression in your complexity. Maybe you blame somebody else for the complexity or the complexities that you are experiencing. Maybe you want to blame them because it's their fault. Or maybe you're just depleted, empty, and burned out from the, the complexities that you are experiencing. I don't know where you are. Those of you who are engaging with us online, I don't know where you are. But I do believe that we all feel that life can become very complicated. And with that, here's the main point that we're going to flesh out for the remainder of our time. And if you're ready, just simply say, you're ready. Here it is. God may uh, add or allow complexity in our life, but offers truth to simplify our complexity. So God may add or allow complexity. That's what we're going to see today. And I think we need to digest it. That, that, is a, that is a very strong statement that God adds or allows complexity in our life, 
But then he's going to offer truth to simplify our complexity. In other words, God can simplify our complicated life, even if he's added to or allowed the complexity. So therefore, what we'll see this morning is how we can have a simple Christmas within a complicated life. So with that said, will you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. We'll see how God simplified Mary's complicated life. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth is the mom of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. So God has broken through the silence on now two occasions. One with John the Baptist's dad, Zachariah, an angel appears to him, and then now an angel is going to appear to Mary. But for 400 years, God has remained silent to Israel. Now he is breaking through the silence. And so now Gabriel came to Mary, who lived in Nazareth, and she was a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, as you could imagine, is greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's not like every day someone has an angel visiting them. And then the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him who? Jesus, the name above every name. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and of his kingdom there will no, be no end. Now, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, so there's this shift. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month of pregnancy. For no word from God will ever fail. Let's everybody say that statement together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, may you be glorified. Jesus, I do pray that you would be the center of this message. And Spirit, I do pray that you would go to work shaping and conforming us more into the image of Jesus and bringing simplicity to life's complexities. I pray for those who are far from you this morning, whether they're here or engaging with us online. Spirit, will you draw them to the beauty even the simplicity and the grace of our King, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So Mary is somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15. She comes from a poor family. She lives in Nazareth, which is a small town about 45, 85 miles north of Jerusalem at that time. Uh, nothing really good came out of Nazareth. 
We also know that she's engaged to a man by the name of Joseph, who's somewhere between the ages of 17, 19, may possibly 20. And they are, they're poor. He's poor. And she's a virgin, which means that she's not had relations with a man. And now an angel shows up and says, hey, uh, Mary, you are going to conceive and give birth to a child. And so this is before her and Joseph consummate the marriage. And some of you are like, what's consummate? Ask your parents, or if you see Pastor Gus in the hallway, he would love to answer that question. He can tell you all about the birds and the bees. <laughs> but could you imagine, could you imagine, you're, 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 you're a teenage girl, you're engaged. That's how, that's how they, they, they were engaged at that age in their culture. But you're planning the future with, with your husband, Joseph. But now this has all kind of been blown up, turned upside down. Life's got really complicated. I mean, could you imagine her relationship to Joseph? It just got complicated. Hey, Joseph, man, baby, I I got some news to tell you. Man, an angel, an angel. Yeah, an angel. What's his name? Gabriel. Gabriel, yeah. Came to me and said that I'm going to be pregnant. Whoa, hang on. What do you mean, pregnant? Will Joseph believe her story? Will he, will he believe the angel? Her relationship with her family and community just got complicated. So, so we know that Joseph comes around because an angel visits him and he receives Mary as his wife. But, but family, community, no. Actually, her community is not going to believe her because they're going to call her names. How, how will her family, how, how will people treat her? And then parenting, could you imagine how complicated parenting will be for her? She's parenting the Son of God. We have difficulty parenting sinners. Could you imagine a sinner trying to parent God? Her life is not simple. But I, I don't want you to miss this, church. God brought that inner life. See, we can look back and go, man, that's a burden. Man, that's kind of just, that's just bad. Uh." And then people in her time would have saw, man, that's bad. Because they would not have understood the backdrop. They would not have understood what God's doing because they weren't going to believe that God was doing that. But I want you to know, God knew all of those things, yet he adds complexity in Mary's life. So I don't know what you're going through. Let me just preach just for just a second. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your complexities. Maybe maybe you have cancer. Maybe you have financial difficulty. Maybe there's a strain somewhere in a relationship. I, I don't know what life complexities you are dealing with. But here's what I do know from the passage that we just read and that we will unpack this morning is never, we should never look at life's complications and say, oh, that's bad. Oh, no, that's a burden. No, we need to start looking at life's complexities and go, whether God added them or he allowed them, he's working a blessing not only for us, but for someone else. So we're going to see God's perspective of how when life gets complicated, even in the midst of the complexities, he can simplify our life. And so we'll see five truths in this passage. We'll just lift them out of this passage of how God can simplify our complicated life. Truth number one, God loves you. God loves you. Verse 28, we see Gabriel said to Mary, greetings, 
You who are highly favored. That, that phrase highly favored simply means graced one. Simply means God loves you. The question should be then is would, what was it about Mary that made her so loved? Made her so graced? Made her a favored one? Well, absolutely nothing. Nothing about Mary would warrant God's love. I mean, she doesn't have a resume. She doesn't come from a family uh, of any status or stature. Uh, we, we don't know. We, we don't even know where she was with her really walking the Lord. We don't know how many verses of the Old Testament she memorized, how often she went to the synagogue, if she prayed every day. All we know is that she's a, she's a teenage girl living in the town of Nazareth, engaged to Joseph, and she's poor. That's all we know. So she's probably thinking in her own mind, how can I be favored? Uh, why, why didn't you go to Jerusalem? That, that's where, that, that's where some, some truly favored women are, young girls. Well, why me? There's nothing special about me. I'm just a poor, humble uh, Nazarene. And, and see, I, I just want us to know this is really good news for us. Because you don't have to impress God for God to love you. He loves you in your flaws and your imperfections. He loves you with your status or without your status. He loves you in your poverty or in your wealth. You don't have anything that impresses God and impresses Him to the degree where He wants to love you. No, He just simply loves you because you are human and you are part of His prized creation, humanity. That's why He loves you. So therefore, you don't have to feel like you have to be the perfect husband to earn God's love or the perfect wife or the perfect pa you know, parent. You don't have to feel like you got all your junk together for God to love you. Mary was not perfect, but she was perfectly loved by the beloved. Do you realize how complicated our culture has made love? I'll give you an example, social media. I mean, think about likes and dislikes and the little hearts that, that people can click on and go, I heart that. And so what you do and what, what our culture does is that we spend so much time thinking, I wonder what post is going to get the most likes. And so they craft it. They spend minutes crafting the perfect message. Or if they took a picture, they spend minutes, maybe, maybe an hour trying to find the right filter so that they can make it just right so that when people look at it, read it, they'll like it. And see, what we have done is we have conditioned a culture in, in other ways too, but social media, you see it. We have conditioned a culture to perform so that they get loved. See, our, our, our Gen Z, we have to perform in order for people to receive us. We have to perform in order for people to like us. We have to perform in order for people to love us. We got to think the right thing. We got to dress the right way. We got to have the right brand. We got to do all these things so that people would receive and love us. But I am so grateful that Mary, here in this passage, out of the gate, the angel says, God loves you. See, God, He simplifies love. He simply loves us regardless of who we are and what we have done. And so it simplifies. So if you don't feel loved this Christmas season, 
If you feel like there's strain between you and someone else, it might just be good to simplify that complicated relationship by saying, you know what, God doesn't make love complicated. He simply loves me. Truth number two, God is with you. So not only does he love you, he is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, at first glance, this statement seems to be succinct and simple to the point where you're like, okay, Lord's with you and let's move on. Like, even how we pray today, many times, and I say this too, Lord, be with us. I mean, how many of us, we've prayed that way? Lord, be with us. Pray that you be, be present. But what does that actually mean for us to say that the Lord is with us, the Lord is present with us? Well, I went on a journey because I wanted to, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper to the statement, the Lord is with you. And it led me on this quest to find out what it means for the Lord to be present with someone. Now, the first place that we see the Lord being present with someone is actually in Genesis. Go figure. God creates the garden. He has put Adam and Eve in that garden, and God is present with them in the garden. And it's in this picture at the beginning where God is present with man. And here's what scholar G.K. Bill says about God's presence there with man. It is in God's presence that life and purpose are found. So when the angel says, the Lord is with you, what he is telling Mary is that the Lord's life and purpose are found in you. Like God's going to be present with you so that he can bring about his life and purpose in and through you. Now, and you can actually see that throughout Scripture. Abraham, uh, Israel, the, the children of Israel, all had God's presence in their life so that they might be a conduit by, by which God's life and purpose are found and enacted. And so God's presence with Mary is an invitation for Mary to live out God's life and purpose in the world. I mean, we know that life can get complicated, don't we? Because we can ask questions like, what do I do? What does this mean? Where do I go? How do I respond? How should I deal with this? What am I to say? What if they slander me, hurt me? What if I lose my family? What if I lose my friend? All these questions that actually expose how life can get complicated. All those questions deal with life and purpose. And so with Mary, all of these questions can be answered in the form of God's presence is with you. His life and his purpose want to flow through you, Mary. So the emphasis is on God's presence. Everybody say presence. See, I've learned over the years the power of presence. And I've actually learned about the power of presence just in family. The power of me being present with my family. The, the power of presence of Joni just being in bed. Like whenever she's on a trip or where, if I go on a trip and Joni's not right next to me, it's just, I, I have a hard time falling asleep. I don't know if you do, and I know that she does. She always leaves the TV on when I'm gone. I mean, there's something about presence that is soothing and satisfying and comforting and securing. Our, our children, as they, as they aged and as they grew up, when, I remember when they were younger, they, they wanted to be around mama and daddy. They didn't want to go into the big, dark basement by themselves. Or if they were sick, they wanted, they wanted mom or dad to sit with them and just soothe them. It's, it's the power of presence. You see, when life gets complicated, we have a soothing presence, and it's called the presence of God. 
We have a securing and comforting presence. It's called the presence of God. And so what the angel is communicating to Mary is not only does God love you, he is with you. So when life gets overwhelming, when life gets complicated, remind yourself that the Lord is with you. And allow his presence to satisfy and soothe and calm and comfort and secure. And so some of you, you might need to speak those words. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the second truth. The third truth is this. God's doing something in you and for others. God is doing something in you and for others. Now, you could imagine Mary is a little shaken up by this whole greeting Wondering what in the world is going on. Like, howdy, Mary. I'm here to tell you God loves you. He's with you. What, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? What's going on? Well, now Gabe, and Gabe is the nickname for Gabriel. So Gabe is going to tell Mary, and here's what Gabe is going to say. Don't be afraid, Mary. I know, I know it's a little alarming. I don't typically do this. But, but I'm here because I'm telling you what God has sent me to tell you. So don't be afraid. You've actually found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. So, so here we have some actually descriptions and a little bit of detail of what now God is going to do in and through Mary. And it, it all surrounds this baby. Now, we see some descriptions about this baby. Number one, we see that you shall call his name Jesus. So Gabriel actually tells Mary, hey, you and Joseph, you don't have to argue about the name. You don't have to figure out what you're going to name the baby. Uh, God's already named the baby for you. So he's, saving, he, he's simplifying your life right now. You're going to call him Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation or Yahweh saves. The second description is he will be great. The, the Greek word for great is mega. So, so this child is, is not a normal child. He is a mega child. Well, what does that mean? Well, the third description is he will be called the son of the most high. The reason why he's mega is because he's God incarnate. Yeah, Mary, you're going to deliver God. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're like 13, 14, 15-year-old. Uh, yeah, getting that message. And then the fourth description, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to take his rightful place as the king of God's people. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So, so Mary, because you're giving birth to God, he will never die. And then, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. So not only will he never die, he will rule forever. But of his kingdom, it will be everlasting from everlasting. And so now, here's the thing about Mary that you also need to know. If you, if you, uh, you know, kind of skip down to verse 46 and following, which we're not going to look at it. But it's Mary's song, the Magnificat. And if you read her song, you will find out that this is a, a, a very smart, a theologically smart young girl she knows her bible so now when gabriel tells her about 
the son of God that's going to be born. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David and of his kingdom there will be no end. She's probably remembering the prophet Isaiah and what he foreshadowed through his prophecy. What kind of king will this be? Well, this king will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He will have impeccable judgment and wisdom. He will be El Shaddai, mighty God. He will be the everlasting God, the prince who came to bring peace to troubled souls. And in his kingdom, there will be justice and righteousness for all eternity. He will right every wrong. He will reverse the curse of sin. And of his kingdom, it will be marked by holiness and godliness. Love will reign. Kindness will be present. And joy and jubilee will mark his kingdom. And so I, I could imagine as Mary's hearing this, she's getting excited but worried at the same time. Because the king has come, but i got to deliver him. But why is this important for Mary? Because by participating, don't miss this church. You cannot miss this. By participating in God's life and purpose in the world, by carrying and raising the Messiah, Mary would witness and experience hurt and heartache from the words people would say. She would be misunderstood and misrepresented as a young woman giving birth before consummating her marriage. She would tend to be isolated from the rest of the community who didn't believe her. People would misunderstand not only her, but eventually misunderstand her son and hate him and kill him by hanging him on the cross. See, for Mary, life was going to get way more complicated before it got easier. See, years ago, we, had a, we went through a season in, in our house, in the Laxon house, where we liked watching home renovation shows. Anybody ever, you know, watch the home renovation shows like Fixer Upper and, and Property Brothers and all of that? Like, so what, what God's entering into is a massive cosmic renovation project where he's entering in, making all things new. But it might get messier before it gets better. And so for Mary, what she had to remind herself is that God is doing a work in me, he's doing a work through me, and he wants to do a work for the world. And so I just got to keep that in mind that no matter how complicated things become, God's doing something and he's moving somewhere. Hey, church, Northland, hey, Northland is in the midst of a remodel, a renovation. And it might get messier. It might get harder. It might get a little bit more complicated before it gets better, before it gets more glorious. It's just the way God works. But what we have to constantly remind ourselves is God is in it. He's present with us. He loves us. And he is working out his life and his purposes not only in us but through us and for the world. We got to just preach that truth over our life. That's why I love what the Apostle Paul says this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we're moving somewhere. God's moving somewhere, but it just might get a little complicated. But to simplify it, we're going to speak that truth over our life. Truth number four. I like this one. Nudge, nudge your neighbor and say, He likes this one. God's got the details covered. God's got the details covered. So Mary responds to old Gabe and says, how is this possible since I am a virgin? 
I need some more details, Gabe, because I'm a little confused right now. I don't know about you. I think that's just human nature. We want to know the details. Like if you go to the doctor and they say, hey, we need to perform surgery, you're probably thinking, well, I, I need to know a little bit more details than you're just going to prefer, perform surgery. Like, what does that mean? I know children are notorious for asking for details. Like, growing up, we would say our, to our kids, hey, we're going here. They want to know, why are we going there? Why are we got to go? What are we going to do? How long are we going to be gone? Can I? I mean, all these details, all these details. I think it's just human nature where we want details. So Mary just wants some details. How is this going to be since I am a virgin? I think we would all be there with Mary if we were 13, 14, 15 years old and the angel told us what he told us. We were like, all right, how? Well, here's what Gabe says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. (laughs) Not very many details. The details that Gabe gives basically says, God's got it. Don't worry. God's got it. Don't worry. You know, the only details that Gabe provides Mary is that there will be divine activity in and over her life. Have you ever thought about, think about this. Have you ever thought about why God many times doesn't give us the details? Like, here, here's actually the principle. God might not give us the details, but he does give us the destination. Like, he'll give us the destination, and for the church, he's given us the destination, ultimately, the new city. That's where we're going, church. We're going to the new city. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. You say, what's the new city? Well, I, I, I preached on it a few weeks ago. Go online. And, but that's where we're going. God's given us the destination. But the details along the way, we don't really know. But what he said... What he has told us, he's got it. He's got the details. And so, but have you ever wondered why God doesn't give us the details? Like, for instance, he told Abraham, I want you to go to a place. I'm not even telling you the place. Just start heading west, and I'll tell you when you got there. (laughs) So, I mean, what? And then, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples come to Jesus, and and they say, Is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says, well... You know what? It's not for you to know the times and seasons in which the Father already has fixed, but I want you to do this. Here's what I want you to do. Go to the destination, which is the world, to tell them that the King has come. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So I'm not going to give you the details of when God's bringing back his kingdom. I want you to go be witnesses. So why doesn't God give the details? Here's my thought. Because if we knew the details... We might become more preoccupied with what's coming next that we neglect to trust the God of what's next. And then we might be more enamored with the details that we take our eyes off the destination. You see, one of the main elements of following God is trusting Him, walking by faith and not by... See, details are sight. We want to see. We want to understand. We want to know. And God's like, I can't tell you everything or you might not go. I need you to trust. That's why I love trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. See, if you get too fixated on the details, you'll miss Jesus. And so we need to look at what God is doing in our life, even when it's complicated 
and just speak over our life that God has the details. I remember when I transitioned from being a senior pastor in Louisville, Kentucky to going on staff at Wheaton College at the Billy Graham Center in January of 2019. I knew that the Lord had still called me to the church, still called me to pastor. I knew that I was going to be involved in the local church in my new assignment. And I knew that the Lord had called me and my family to this new assignment. But I knew at some point, I didn't know when. I didn't know when, but I knew at some point God would call me back to the senior pastor chair. But I just didn't know when. And so what I was going to do is I was just going to be faithful in this season that God had called me to. That as I sat in a second chair and I got to learn even more about leadership, I got to learn more about me, I got to exercise my PhD skills and teach some. Like, here's what I knew. God had called me here for a season. And there was a lot of complexity, you know, that I even had to weed through in that season. I just knew at some point God would bring me back to being a senior pastor. I didn't know the details. I didn't know how, didn't know when, didn't know where. But then... About a year ago, God worked in such an amazing way that still blows my ever-loving mind till today. And now I'm sitting here as the senior pastor of the great church called Northland Church. I don't know what you're struggling with, where you need to know the details. Maybe you're wanting to know how everything will shake out next year. Maybe you want to know if your marriage is going to get better, your health. Maybe you want to know if your health is going to improve. Maybe you want to know if your company is going to lay off people before the end of the year or the start of next year. Maybe you want to know whether or not this lost family member, friend that you've been praying for, for years will come to faith in Jesus. Maybe you're worried and you would like the details about where our country is headed, where the state of Florida is headed. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with a call or, 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 or something that the Lord has put on your heart to do. And you will want to know the details. God has the details. But walk by faith and not by sight. Because that's what Mary had to do. And then truth number five. God makes the impossible possible. God makes the impossible possible. I mean, could you imagine Mary at this moment? (laughs) You know, Gabe didn't give her very many details other than God has them and just trust him. And I'm sure she's still trying to process because when you get some, some pretty, you know, heavy news, you're trying to process it. And so I, I could imagine at that moment she's trying to process this as a teenage girl. And I could imagine she's struggling with doubt, not unbelief. You say, what's the difference? Well, here's what Warren Warren Wiersbe says is the difference. Doubt is a matter of the mind. We cannot understand what God is doing or why he's doing it. Unbelief is a matter of the will. We refuse to believe God's word and obey what he tells us to do. See, Mary is not sitting in unbelief. She's not refusing She's sitting there doubting. She's just trying to wrestle with how, how is this going to be? What will it look like? How will everything unfold? And so doubt, doubt is not unbelief. So I believe that Mary is sitting there just doubting, trying to process what Gabriel has just said. Why? Why do I believe that? Because in verse 36, here's what Gabriel is going to do. He's going to shift kind of the focus. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month of pregnancy. So Mary, let me, let me help answer your doubts. You remember Elizabeth, your relative? Yeah, you just got on Facebook and you saw just a couple of months ago, earlier on this year, where her status said barren, childless. But I, I'm here to tell you that God's done a work in her life and now she is pregnant and she only has a few months to go before she delivers a beautiful baby boy. So what Gabriel is telling Mary is that there's somebody else that God has worked in, that's done a miracle in, and he is made possible the impossible so you can go to elizabeth which is what mary will do to get encouragement and support that's one of the reasons why we need one another because i could start over here in this section and then go to this section and this section and this section and this section and you could sit there and recount how god is the god of the impossible he makes the impossible possible and you can give me testimony after testimony after testimony how god has shown up in your your life and he's done the impossible that's why some of you here this morning you need some encouragement you need some support you need to hear that God he had the details when I didn't understand the details when I was asking all these questions I kept on saying that God is with me and God loves me and look at where I am today and so some of you need to hear that from someone else which is why one of the reasons why we need the church and so he so he tells Mary about Elizabeth, but then, but then Gabe utters the next statement as this concluding summary. For nothing is impossible with God, for no word from God will ever fail. God is a mountain mover. He is a miracle worker. He truly is the God of the impossible, Mary. I mean, just think about the God we're talking about. He created everything out of nothing. He parted the Red Sea, made the ground dry. He provided manna from heaven and water from a rock. He provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He protected his weak people from strong nations, protected his people from a fiery furnace. He clothed, he closed the mouth of lions. He calmed the raging sea. He walked on water. He healed every disease. He died and he rose from the dead. Our God is the God of the impossible. And I don't know what's in your life right now that's made it so complicated, but that you need a miracle. You need the God of the impossible to show up. Maybe, maybe it's healing from a major wound inflicted by a family member or friend. Maybe you need healing from a medical condition. Maybe you need salvation or someone you've been praying for needs salvation. Do you realize that salvation, when we repent of our sin and we place our faith and trust in Jesus as our King and Savior, that is the miracle of all miracles. Maybe you need a turnaround from a besetting sin. You need the chains of addiction to, to break Maybe you need a relationship to be made whole, a relationship that has become so sideways to be reconciled. Maybe you need peace in the midst of your restlessness, calmness in the midst of your chaos. God can meet you there. So in conclusion, Josh, how do we know? How do we know these truths 
simplified Mary's complicated life. Here's the reason why. The last verse, verse 38, Mary says, I am the Lord's, what? Servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. <laughs> Man, Mary challenges us, don't, doesn't she? I mean, here's a teenage girl. I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you, Lord. May what you just told me be fulfilled. And see, her complicated life just became simple. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to listen to you. I might not know what's coming. I'm going to trust you. I may not have all my answers, all my questions answered. I'm going to trust you. You see, those truths that we just covered, it offered Mary perspective. And these truths divert our attention away from focusing all that we cannot control to focusing on the one who is in control. So it diverts our attention to the things that we can't control and it allows us to put our attention on the one who is in total control. It gives us perspective. The sovereignty of God, he's got it. And then these truths give Mary purpose. It decluttered, it decluttered her life by aligning her heart and life with God. That God's going to do something in her as part of his purpose. And what he does in her, he wants to do through her for the good of others and his glory. So whatever you're going through, whatever complexities you have in your life, just know God, God's doing something in those. He's working something. And then these truths actually provide people. God puts other people in your life that he's done a work in to give us support and encouragement when we need to trust him for the work he's doing in ours. People encourage us that we are not alone. So maybe some of you this morning, you just need to simplify your complicated life by speaking these truths over your life and in your heart. Because God might add or allow complexities to come in our life, but he offers truths that simplifies our complicated life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would just sit here in this moment and that we all would just speak these five truths over our life. God loves me. God is with me. God is doing a work in me and for the world. God has the details covered and God can make what is impossible possible. And Father, may those truths simplify our complicated lives, even in the midst of a season where life can even get more complicated.